This is Reimagining Healthcare, a podcast about innovation in the healthcare industry. It's a show for healthcare business owners, for healthcare professionals, for industry investors, and health tech entrepreneurs. On the show, I talk to health tech and healthcare innovators to uncover how they're reimagining and building a world of seamless digital healthcare experiences and how that fits into people's lives. I'm your host, Yanni Sopanos. Today, I'm speaking with Scott Taylor, CEO and co-founder of Perks Health, a digital healthcare app that uses rewards, games, and challenges to motivate behavioral change for people living with chronic conditions. We all know how patient adherence can be a big challenge, an impediment to achieving positive healthcare outcomes. And so in this discussion, we work through the behavioral science and techniques used by health tech to help supercharge patient willpower, how to break down complexity and barriers to adherence, and how this sustains engagement and life habits supporting healthcare and better outcomes. If you're interested in complementing in-person, appointment-based healthcare services with digital healthcare prescriptions, then you'll get a lot out of this episode. Let's jump in. Well, hey there, Scott. Uh, Thanks for taking the time to come and have a chat about Perks Health. How are you doing today? Yeah, good, Yanni. Thanks for having me. Tell us about your story, Scott. How did you get into Perks Health? Sure. It's a bit of a longer story. Back in my university days, I actually studied uh, behavioral economics and behavioral science, which was, yeah, I found incredibly interesting. But for some reason, though, I decided after university to go working with kind of consumer and technology companies in various ways, from investment banking to then private equity investing, and quickly realized that all those theories I'd, I'd read about in the kind of the dusty textbooks at university were being implemented most effectively in consumer and technology companies. Yeah, consumer and technology companies are really good at getting us to form habits in good, bad, and in different ways. You only have to look at my iPhone time history to, to see how, how compelling it can be. And so, yeah, I got a good appreciation in, in that kind of world of you know, how practically some of these theories were implemented. And then about four years ago now, I got chatting to a, a good friend of mine, Hugo, who's my, now my co-founder. Um, at Perks, and we were talking about how he'd had a similar experience working at McKinsey and consumer strategy and promotions and seeing you know, everything from retailers and how they get you to put another item in their shopping basket to kind of working with big gaming companies and understanding you know, how, how they get people to, to play another game as such. And I think we'd, we'd both kind of had this experience to the kind of real world application of behavioral science, behavioral economics in informing habits. And we were kind of keen to see how that might be able to solve some of the challenges we'd seen with, with our own you know, families. And I think everyone can relate to the kind of you know, people managing chronic conditions. Um, the unfortunate reality is 50% of Australians are managing chronic conditions. So, yeah, and, and how, how difficult it was to sometimes form habits in, in, in that kind of you know, condition management space. So that kind of got ourselves on this journey of you know, how would we use those tactics we'd seen work so successfully in consumer, tech, retail, gaming type products and bring them into healthcare, and particularly with a focus on, on chronic condition management and helping people form the right habits in, in managing chronic conditions. And that's, yeah, that, that's the story of, I guess, yeah, Perks Health. We've now been at it for, as I was saying, kind of four years. Lots of, yeah, interesting learnings and journeys along the way. Health tech founders who need to have a healthcare background or a tech background, say for maybe Hugo doing a bit of coding in his engineering degree at university, quickly, rapidly trying to get up to learning curves that can be quite steep in, in both directions. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's kind of it's worked out well. Um, we now deliver our you know, digital therapeutic program to yeah, thousands of patients who are using Perks daily and um, working with some of the biggest kind of healthcare organizations in Australia and now the US as well, which is super exciting. 
big part of what you're doing is motivating health habits. Tell me more about what some of the problems or challenges were with motivation, particularly around the chronic health care management. Look, I think the, the biggest challenge that kind of we've stumbled upon in our, you know, our journey at Perks Date is that everyone's motivated in different ways. And one of the things that we realized as we you know, really started to talk to people at the, you know, about this kind of behavioral science approach to habit formation and chronic disease management was that in healthcare, I mean, the most common form of trying to motivate someone to form habits and stick to their treatment in managing their chronic disease is education. And if you were to talk to a you know, a behavioral scientist or a habit formation psychologist about the, the, the ways to drive behavior change and it may motivate people to, to change their behavior. They'd probably put education at last on the list. And that's just by virtue of yeah, how, how things have kind of evolved in healthcare. It's, it's definitely related to the huge asymmetry between you know, health literacy and health knowledge between clinicians who are right up at the top of the pyramid there and then the people who are having to manage these kind of conditions day in, day out. Education isn't a strong motivator, and particularly with challenges around health literacy, as well as just the fact that for many people, they've got daily priorities that kind of pop up and seem to take precedence over health, is that we really need to find other ways of motivating people outside of education and information in healthcare, because if we ultimately want to see people stick to treatment, form habits over the long term that will help them manage their condition appropriately, we need to just accept that, that, that kind of there's many ways of motivating people. Education will definitely work for some, but if we really want to make sure that no patient is left behind, we need to take a, you know, a, an open-minded approach as to how we motivate those people to, to stick to their treatment. I think, you know, you can't get past tech in this day and age without actually folding in that accrued knowledge that's developed there as well. But in the clinical setting or the clinical context, in broad terms, there's kind of the setting that most health practitioners and providers uh, set up, which is a space to get somebody to come in. They provide some services from there. But then there's another setting, which is kind of the rest of that patient's world, you know, that's outside of those, uh, those appointments. When somebody leaves the clinic, how do we bring some of the, some of the magic that's been built into Perks Health to actually support adherence and to, I guess, maintain that level of uh, motivation that's needed to get that person through to the end game? Yeah, absolutely. And behaviour outside the clinical setting is one of the, the biggest determinants of health. So it's absolutely critical that no matter what that cadence is, in terms of is it seeing a doctor every three months or every six months or every 12 months, no matter the, the medium of that visit, you know, and particularly relevant you know, given kind of what we've all experienced over the last few months with COVID-19, whether that's face-to-face or telehealth. I mean, the reality is as soon as that patient walks out the door or logs off the Zoom conference, that we make sure that you know, we're supporting those patients in every way to form the best habits they can. And particularly where you know, someone has been kind of newly initiated onto a new therapy, has been recently diagnosed with a condition, the unfortunate tendency is, and yeah, we, we see this from everyone, it's, it's definitely not a just clinician specific, and I don't want it to be seen that way, but it's, it's yeah, everyone I talk to about uh, treatment plan adherence is that there's, there's some niggling assumption and it's com- com- completely irrational in that, that as soon as someone's diagnosed with a condition or switched to a you know, serious therapy, like a, you know, being put on a medication for something, that overnight we become rational superhumans. And that's just not the case. It's not the case. And the same, same reason I you know, slept in this morning and didn't go to the gym, even though I planned to, is the same reason why it's so difficult to form habits around a treatment plan. And yeah, I think a lot of people can relate to having grand ambitions for health and, and potentially disappointing yourself in terms of being able to achieve those, 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 those tasks. And that's because yeah, fundamentally humans aren't perfectly rational calculators. And that's the whole concept of behavioral economics is that humans are irrational, but irrational in predictable ways. And that's a big part of what we do is that we kind of acknowledge that 
and we, we face that. We, we, we accept that as soon as someone walks out the GP clinic, depending on their personality type, there's just as much chance that any information that their doctor provided to them in the consult, yeah, it may well still be remembered, but whether that's remembered and given the kind of importance to then form a perfect habit from every day from leaving that doctor's appointment to turning up to the doctor's appointment next time to be completed perfectly rationally well. Now, there's absolutely some people who can do that. An internal, really advanced knowledge of health literacy, a really high level of health engagement and a fantastic health consciousness in terms of prioritising it, number one. The, the unfortunate reality is that there's the rest of us, and I definitely put myself in the rest of us category there, who, who struggle just based on education to go and form the habit. And so there's a range of different ways that, yeah, as you say, tech companies are effective at managing habits. And if we look at kind of big consumer brands even then, the way that they get us to engage with their product or form habits around their product isn't just providing us a, a flyer of information about how important their product is and how we should consume it. They appeal to a range of different motivators, whether that's you know, kind of incentivization and providing, you know, what, what's in it for you, kind of what, what's the value there to gamification. And when we talk about gamification, I'm mean, talking about everything from, you know, the way mobile games quite literally implement that to things like, you know, Qantas Frequent Flyer or Woolworths Rewards. And they're very much gamification programs as much as we probably don't think of them as games to community and accountability and, and those type of drivers that are kind of more intrinsic to just kind of finding out actually what motivates people in, in, in very different ways. Who are you targeting specifically? Is it a health provider organisation to provide the Perks Health application, build it into their workflow or build it into their system? Is that kind of your, your go-to-market strategy or, or you're you going straight to consumers? We deliver our products in a few different ways. So, I mean, we're generally what we'll do is work with big healthcare organisations and they may be healthcare payers, healthcare providers or pharmaceutical companies. And they'll then provide our solution to their patients to improve those patients' outcomes. And, you know, the kind of way we deliver a program is a little bit different for all. When we're working with kind of big provider chains and, and clinics, that'll definitely have kind of an onboarding process where a clinician or clinical staff in the clinic will help help the person onboard onto Perks and join kind of the, the Perks kind of digital therapeutic program. Equally, we work with payers in the life insurance, health insurance, workers' compensation insurance sectors, who offer their offer perks as a free service to their members to use, improve their their, their health management, improve their health outcomes, which obviously you know, benefits the person who's writing the checks at the end of the day in terms of the, the healthcare costs. And then we work with pharma companies as well, and they, you know, they've got a obviously a big focus on medication adherence and how they improve that. They're acutely aware that people are prescribed their products and then fail to take them effectively, fail to see the benefits of their product, um, and you know, particularly trying to take that kind of real-world evidence base of how do people see those benefits from their products. It's really important to them. So we, we work with those three kind of different customer types to tailor a program for them, align it with the key challenges that their patients might face, and then deliver it for free to patients. And that's something we've been yeah, really focused on for day one. If we, want to, if we really truly want to kind of live up to our mission of leaving no patient behind in terms of our solution. Economic status actually correlates with lower kind of health outcomes. And so therefore, by not putting a cost burden on that individual, we can make sure that we're really help, yeah, helping the people that absolutely need the, the solution. Walk us through kind of a general example. I know that you, you uh, tailor for different programs, but just generally speaking, have you kind of architected the application? It is actually a pretty universal application. And yeah, whilst we might have custom content or we might deliver it slightly differently with, with different organisations. I mean, the core focus of the, the patient experience is, is very much the same. Effectively, you've got to think of Perks as in, it's, it's effectively has two core components. The first 
is the task list of what someone needs to complete every day. And that can be set up by a clinician, can be set up by a carer, it could be set up by the patient themselves. And it's effectively, you know, as we were talking about before, in that doctor's consult, what has the doctor told you you need to do between now and your next visit? So that might be taking a medication twice a day. It might be physiotherapy exercises. It might be logging a certain measurement like weight or blood pressure or blood glucose. It could be filling a script. It could be you know, anything that helps improve health outcomes like physical activity. Effectively, Perks creates a central hub for all those different task lists. And then the most important part about a Perks is that we then provide the motivation to get that task list completed day in, day out. So I guess the, the two sides of what our patient proposition looks like now, obviously, that task list changes very significantly from condition to condition, program to program, in terms of when we run a musculoskeletal program where it's helping people recover from a workplace injury, that looks very different to our program with cystic fibrosis patients who are managing you know, multiple medications as well as you know, physiotherapy and, and then similar kind of complex treatment plans. The nice thing is we've kind of adapted it for the same core technology across all those use cases, which I think is really important in this day of a half to two thirds of people managing chronic condition are actually managing two or more. And so what that means is that you, know, you have to have a solution that isn't just siloed into one condition area. It needs to really port across multiple conditions. It needs to port across multiple treatment plan tasks and needs to be able to motivate people to complete all those tasks no matter what they are. And so that's, I think, one of the, the big advantages of our, our solution is that it can really work with the specific program that's been diagnosed, either that's been prescribed to the patient who's a diabetes program, but if that person's also managing a mental health condition and potentially has physio on you know, a shoulder injury, they can do all of that through perks and we can motivate them to complete all those tasks. Something that was really pleasing for us early on was we initially started with medication as a focus and then we rolled out to all those other treatment plan tasks that I've mentioned that are important part of you know, seeing better health outcomes. And we actually see the same 90% plus adherence that we've seen in medication from day one to you know, all those other treatment plan tasks because once people are in perks, they know that the task list, that they're motivated to complete everything that's on there and then you know, have the perfect day of adherence. And so that's been really exciting. Yeah, that's the typical user experience. So complete the task list, get the opportunity to kind of experience the gamification features. So when I'm talking about gamification, I'm thinking about you know, streaks perfect days in a row, leveling up on our leaderboard, getting greater access to features and other items within the app, as well as kind of real world incentives, things like charity donations, gift cards for the pharmacy or you know, favorite stores of the, of, the, of the individual. And effectively building that kind of, I guess, reward loop and then habit loop around all those treatment plan tasks they need to complete every day. Let's come up with a scenario. They've got a medication to take daily. They need to do a physical activity. And once a week, they need to check in with their health practitioner you know, to, to see mm -hmm. how they're progressing. Just a really simple scenario. So what would yeah. happen is there a sort of a, a notification push that goes out on those different events? Talk us through yeah. the journey. The user would receive a notification and reminding them that that, that task is due, and that might be their kind of 8 a.m. medication task is due. They come into the app, verify that they've taken it, and they'll then get a kind of positive experience. Now, sometimes that might be a reward. Sometimes it might just be kind of you know, a, a physical reward. Sometimes it might be in-app credits. It might push them up the leaderboard or it might, one of the most popular motivators is just actually maintaining their streak. So if they come in and complete every task yeah. uh, every day, they, they'll, they'll stay on their 180 day streak or they'll advance to 181 day streak. And so all of those things are kind of, I guess, the motivators as to why to complete the task. We also, um, the way to think of it is almost a cross between a, a frequent flyer program and, and a raffle. You're accumulating progress gradually. You're leveling up to different tiers. You're being rewarded for kind of your consistency, but you also have the one-off opportunity to win 
a, a big prize. And so the, the, the reason that's important, the reason that's important to have kind of that structured approach is that we want every task to be potentially be the exciting task where you win the $10 or the $20 gift card, because otherwise you end up falling into the same trap that we see with adherence more generally, which is, oh, it probably doesn't matter if I miss this morning's medication. I'll just make sure I take it. I'm sure one today would be good enough for me. It doesn't matter if I miss my physio exercises today. I'll just do it do a longer session tomorrow. We really want to make sure that every task is important and could potentially be the, the important task of the week. And that helps us make sure that people form consistent habits around yeah, time of day and stick and, and doing those healthcare tasks. You're approaching it from a system standpoint. You're actually engineering the activities that that person needs to complete in order to get to an outcome. Using that kind of push and nudge and using those kind of rewards and using those types of status incentives and uh, rewards and concepts. Your motivation then, and tell me if I've got this wrong, but is basically helping rehabitualize a person's routines you know, in a way around that treatment schedule, they become successful at it. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think the, the, the important thing for yeah, anyone looking to achieve a health goal, whether that's losing weight, achieving lower blood pressure or being able to run 5Ks, is that they're, they're all great goals, but what you're yeah, ultimately you know, a habit expert or a habit formation psychologist and you know, we spend our, our time you know, talking to these people and reading the research, the latest research and all those kind of things, that you need to break that goal down into the kind of processes or the stepping stones to get there. And if you think about it, that's exactly what Perks is. It's the outcome is better health, but that in itself is kind of quite intangible. And if you kind of set yourself a goal and say, I'll reward myself when I hit that goal, the, the risk is that you haven't actually mapped out the path to that goal and you're not kind of incentivizing yourself along the way. And so that's where we try to break down what are the treatment plan tasks that you need to do to achieve better health you know, and, and better manage your diabetes or better manage you know, your chronic condition. And we can do that by having setting up a kind of reward structure and, and a gamify, gamification structure around the tasks you need to do to get there as opposed to just on the kind of end goal, which can sometimes be quite far out of reach and hard to measure progress between now and there. That just reminds me of uh, kind of life in tech. We focus on customer experience. And a big part of, uh, you know, designing for optimal customer experience is to actually understand the journey they need to go through in order to get the most out of the, the application or the system. You know, I kind of relate to software these days as uh, canned culture. You know, it's kind of, it's the way you need to do things now compared to the way you used to do things. I guess the implicit claim is that if you follow uh, the workflows or if you follow the way that the software is prescribing, that you should work, then you will be more productive and you'll get better outcomes in your, in your business or in your work. So in a way, you're using that same kind of thinking where you take the customer experience, um, but in this case, it's a patient who needs to go on a journey. They may not naturally want to, you know, because the way that they've habitualized their life just doesn't fit neatly into the plan that's needed to get them to the outcome. And so this is a way to actually engineer a system that they can follow. And if they forget, they're going to get reminded and once they start to buy into it, they'll start to get incentivized around achieving the status and uh, the rewards that are available in the program. Is that sort of a fair summary? Do you see those parallels between the designing Perks Health as opposed to Perks Health being used by healthcare providers? Absolutely. And we've said from day one, yeah, we want Perks to be the healthcare intervention that patients pull on as opposed to have pushed down onto them. And that's core to our kind of whole design philosophy that everything needs to be positive Everything needs to be reinforcing and you know, positive for the patient. I mean, when we look at our MPS, it's up there with kind of the, the Netflix and the apples of the world in terms of you know, how do patients think about our intervention, which is pretty surprising for something which is 
yeah, helping people manage a chronic condition, which, you know, when, when you talk to people about chronic condition management, it's not exactly an exciting or a joyful part of that day, their day generally, um, but that's something that we've tried to turn it into. And we've tried to kind of find the way to empower patients to feel positive about managing their treatment. We're quite excited about where we can take that in terms of, I mean, even in our recent randomized control trial, the data there was suggesting that as people, yeah, it was a 12-month observation period, which is quite a decent length of time for a digital health intervention. And actually people were you know, rating the solution higher in kind of our patient feedback surveys at month 12 than they were on month one. And so uh, that just kind of talks to the kind of, I guess, positive reframing of, of the user experience and how we can look to take something that is kind of a dull, monotonous chore of something like taking a medication multiple times a day and turn it into a, an experience that is delightful and, you know, and, and positive and empowering. 90% adherence based on the statistics that you're generating the application, that's uh, going to be music to a lot of health providers' ears to be able to achieve those sorts of uh, levels of adherence. Have you, have you done any studies on, you know, before using Perks Health versus after using Perks Health? No, we've actually done a um, randomised control trial where we've got a cohort of matched patients, one receiving standing care, one receiving a, a Perks intervention, which we're excited to hopefully have published in the next couple of months. So I can't talk in too much detail about it, but it's showing some really positive trends in terms of increasing the odds of adherence in those kind of perks patients versus standing care, as well as actually getting better biomarker up improvement in, in some of the kind of cardiovascular diabetes patients that we're working with. We also do things like survey users when they're coming into a perks program with kind of validated tools around medication adherence, as well as compliance to other, uh, other tasks that they might do. And we've seen a yeah, a massive uplift in that as they, as they start to get into kind of the, the, the habit system as such and, and start to kind of really understand and see the benefits of sticking habitually to, to their treatment plan tasks, um, which is super exciting. And when you can kind of see someone not only have a 30 to 40% improvement in how well they take their medication, but also you start getting the feedback of, yeah, I've just got back from my doctor and I've got the best HbA1c results I've had in years. That is arguably the kind of, when I'm talking about processes to achieve the goal, the ultimate reinforcer is that we provide the short-term motivation to get to the kind of ultimate long-term motivation, which is seeing your health improve because you've been managed to stick to the plan. And then that, that, that user, you know, who I've kind of quoted as keeping us feedback on the GP, has now been using Perks for three years because it very much becomes, yes, they love the daily surprises and opportunity to win the rewards. They love the kind of gamification, which helps kind of that medium term of I'm on a 30-day streak, I don't want to go back to zero, so I'm going to stick it out. And then, you know, oh, I've leveled up and now I'm getting more access to features. It's then, okay, well, now I've had my six-month check-in after I've started using Perks six months earlier and now I'm getting actual health impact. This is awesome, I'm going to keep using it. And so um, that's kind of, I guess, where we're, we're, we're looking to. I can imagine a lot of practitioners would love the idea of improving adherence for the client's interest, but also for their own personal satisfaction in being able to, how many times uh, would have a practitioner have said, if only the client just stuck to the program, you know, and sort of went through it. Drawing on that experience with customer experience design and human-centered design as well from within the health tech sector, you know, in building the health tech, there's kind of an evolving uh, idea that education is probably about five, maybe 10% of the journey. Most people won't actually habitualize or internalize the content of the education and a lot of it is lost after after it's sure. imparted. So it's really that systemization of behavior uh, that becomes the new habit is where we get the majority of the gains. Yeah, and the, 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 yeah, absolutely. I mean, getting, getting them in the habit of, I guess, positively engaging with their health 
when we say that we use behavioral science tactics and we, we kind of see that traditional kind of programs and traditional kind of approaches have used education, that's not to say that we're against education. We just see education as a treatment plan task as opposed to a motivator. And the, the, the challenge that we'd say is that traditional care programs have relied on education as a motivator, when in reality, you only have to ask any student or kind of university as to whether they think you know, education itself is motivation. It's really kind of a, a task. And so what, one, one of the benefits of Perks is that because we've got these behavioral motivators, which engage people in their, in their condition three to four times a day, is actually that's the prime time to be putting a bite-sized piece of information in there. And that's what we do. So yeah, someone might have to take two medications, do complete physio and book their GP appointment for next week. And they might be the three healthcare tasks that we've got planned. But we also know that they're managing a diabetes condition and, and they, you know, they're managing, di managing diabetes and a cardiovascular condition. We can also put kind of custom content in front of them during one of those sessions, which might be you know, completely unrelated to perks, but it might be just kind of a, a lifestyle tip for managing diabetes or talking about the importance of taking your, your, your GP's advice when, when you kind of next, next see them. And so I think you know, we, we see that as a task that we can definitely get users to complete and to internalize, but we do need to have some kind of motivational drivers around them to make sure that they do complete it and they do, they do engage with it at a time where they're already thinking about their condition because they're in the Perks app using, you know, you, you're completing other treatment plan tasks. I can actually see a great deal of opportunity with the mental health sector, physical therapies, nutritional health and wellness, and actually building out programs, you know, digital health programs, for example, over that overlap holistically with a number of dis different disciplines and probably create an opportunity, I think, for multidisciplinary practices or potentially cooperation between specialist practices to develop programs. Does the platform allow for that kind of cross-pollinization uh, or, you know, that kind of collaboration between different, uh, different points of care to produce programs? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's something that we're kind of um, we're working on at the moment is to how do we make it you know, almost available to anyone who has an adherence challenge? Because I think one of the things that yeah, we've, we've learned over our journey is when people mention adherence, most people in the healthcare space know of the adherence challenge and they jump to medication. The reality is there's all sorts of adherence challenges when you kind of look hard enough. I mean, the next one that'd probably be you know, front of most people's minds when you talk about adherence is adherence to diet or nutrition and the ability to kind of stick with the diet. You then start delving into physio. My mum's a physiotherapist. She, she knows that you know, she, a number of times she's expressed frustration with me about you know, the fact that most of the time people do physio uh, exercises that she prescribes is when they're sitting in the chair opposite her in the clinic as opposed to when they're at home. Similarly, we've been contacted by multiple device manufacturers talking about the struggles they have, particularly in the clinical trial stage, but also in the real world stage of, well, we just, yeah, we've got this amazing device. It can do all these wonderful things. It can predict this. It can record this. It can pass this data back in a beautiful dashboard for clinicians. Problem is the patients don't use the device. It's kind of collecting dust on the shelf and such, or they don't charge it or those kind of things. And so adherence is a much broader challenge than just medication. At the core of it, it is genuinely a human behavior challenge. Kind of medication is just the one where we're most familiar with it, I think, in the healthcare space or the medical space. And so we're working with various ways as to how could you spin up a Perks platform to help someone take a, use the device correctly, as well as sticking to all those other kind of lifestyle challenges that, that we look at. For us, it's yeah, really about kind of making sure that we're prioritizing properly and, and, and going after the kind of the right opportunities. Definitely, yeah, as we kind of build out the, the kind of different functionalities within the core product, thinking about how that might serve other customers out there who are struggling with an adherence problem of their own that we haven't even thought about yet. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I suppose that should give everybody now a better understanding of uh, why you chose the name Perks. 
you know, the, the rewards, the gamification, the challenges, the incentives that actually modify a person's behaviour voluntarily, you know, they're actually doing it by themselves rather than being forced. It's probably something that uh, Dan Andrews in Victoria could learn from as well, you know, rather than implementing <laughs> a state of disaster and using uh, police force. That's a little yeah. call out there to Dan Andrews to learn how to <laughs> uh, get people to naturally be incentivised to uh, follow programs and uh, get to outcomes. Sorry, mate, a little bit political there. Let's talk about digital health therapeutics Explain for our listeners what that means. Sure, sure. I guess, you know, a digital therapeutic is kind of a, well, it, it's, it's, it's probably not even that new, particularly if you're, you're in the US, but it's, it's really looking at, yeah, how do you have a therapeutic effect with a digital technology? And that maybe there's a number, I mean, I think the FDA has kind of now approved um, two kind of digital therapeutics, actual reimbursement over there, kind of look at, you know, how do you use digital to almost have a therapeutic effect Almost the kind of way to kind of think about it is it's almost a digital drug as such in that just by using a technology, you get a, ben- you know, a benefit equal to that of what a drug might have. And you see it in a lot of applications in things like you know, neurological disorders and conditions. How do we actually think about perks in terms of its incremental benefit over and above kind of what standard care would, would receive because we can help people comply in a much higher rate. And so, yeah, we, we, we're not looking at over the long term, does PERCS improve adherence by, you know, to over 90% or by 40% above baseline, but actually how can we look at, you know, how PERCS improves someone's HbA1c or how does someone, how does PERCS improve someone's blood pressure or how does someone improve someone's quality of life? And so those real kind of, you know, medical measures in terms of how we, we think about PERCS. And that's, yeah, that's where we, we very much focus. I think the other thing that we're kind of, yeah, spending more and more time thinking about is behavioural insights that we get from yeah, patients using our product back into their kind of circle of care. So whether that's to their clinicians, whether it's to carers or family members, but kind of surfacing those in the right ways. And so particularly in this new paradigm of telehealth and now, yeah, particularly there's a lot of people talking about remote patient monitoring. Again, the, the kind of yeah, the, the engagement and adherence challenge raises its head everyone's got smart devices and we're using those to kind of track patient outcomes and then we're just dialing in for a telehealth consult whenever we whenever we see it is appropriate to intervene one of the big challenges there is kind of yeah i mentioned before with the device company we're talking to is that does require a level of engagement and adherence that we currently struggle with drugs and physiotherapy and and any number of other tasks and remote patient monitoring in in many forms and you know particularly in many areas of chronic disease is just adding another task to the task list without solving the problem that someone's not completing the task list in the first place. So we see one of the you know, big opportunities in what we're doing is if we can get people to consistently complete 95% plus of their tasks, the power that has to enable a remote patient monitoring platform with insights like, you know, this person didn't take their medication this morning, or this person always takes their medications in the morning, but never in the afternoons, or, you know, this person is taking their medication fine, but they're really not tracking their blood pressure the way that, that, that they were asked to. And you can only get that granular level of insight into patient behavior outside the clinical setting. Either we go down the path of everyone has this universal passive tracking of them all the time, or we can actually fundamentally motivate them to proactively track the things that matter to their, their clinicians and, and their carers. And so that's something that we're working on with a couple of our existing partners is, is, is actually how do you use the high level of engagement that Perks already gets to empower those clinician dashboard as such, and then actually empower the conversation that the clinician has with the patient in a meaningful way that helps actually 
yeah, continue to drive that, that positive reinforcement of managing a treatment plan effectively. We've sort of laid down the foundations with, as you say, a lot of the technology that's in the hands of Australians and other people in the world. Health providers these days, there's still a lot using paper, unfortunately, but there's definitely been a solid migration over to digital health systems and, and the like. Do you foresee some challenges with digital health therapeutics potentially coming into conflict with each other? Uh, not that it would be a good problem to have, but it would be, it's probably a long way before I think we're bumping up against digital therapeutics that's so widely prescribed that we're having to worry about you know, contraindications of digital therapeutics <laughs> and the like. I know. Um, but no, it's, it's definitely an interesting world to think about. I think, yeah, absolutely. When you talk about kind of what, what is the, the long-term view of kind of digital therapeutics, it's that being prescribed by someone in the kind of care cycle or the care model for a patient to to take this and, and, and obviously kind of yeah, hopefully receive some reimbursement based on the the kind of exactly the kind of point you raised of the evidence around you know, the impact it can have for patients managing certain conditions or even just maybe a certain subset of patients across multiple conditions where, where it can be useful. And then, yeah, I guess there is the kind of, I think the reality that traditional therapeutics is that evidence-based will be key. And that's not just key because it's important that patients see outcomes to continue using the solution. It's key because if you want a doctor to prescribe it, you better hope you've got a gold standard evidence base. And if you want healthcare systems to reimburse it, you've got to hope you have a gold standard evidence base. Even, I mean, in our existing programs, when we talk to you know, our insurance partners, our pharmaceutical customers, um, and obviously our health provider customers, the, the first question will be, you know, what, what evidence is there that this, that this actually works? And I think the, 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 the reality is there's 300,000 apps on the app store in kind of the health and medical category. And very, very few of them have any kind of digital evidence, uh, digital, sorry, clinical evidence that, that backs them up. That that will become more and more important and a big part of this discussion of what is a digital therapeutic and what isn't is always the robust evidence that shows that it has a therapeutic effect beyond just the team selling it might say about it. And I think it is important, particularly for healthcare organisations who are looking at a digital health strategy or looking at delivering a, a digital therapeutic or a digital program in the healthcare space. To, to hold people to, the, to to hold digital health companies to that standard, and of course you could you can work to kind of co-design and find a way to to get that evidence and put the right program or pilot in place to you know, help the kind of digital health company get there. But fundamentally, you, know, you should be holding those kind of digital therapeutics to the same kind of standard in terms of you know establishing a a a, a solid evidence base as, as we should you know, any any other healthcare intervention. I'd like to think, though, that um, particularly in the allied health sector, there are already methods that are working. But sure. for the fact that the patient or the client is not adhering to the program, but they already have an evidence base that's been built up in terms of uh, the effectiveness of uh, therapy. So I think combining the idea that once you have a prescribed approach and if the problem is adherence, then using what's been learned through behavioural science and what's been incorporated into the systemization of the voluntary adoption of that new behaviour, that's a really powerful idea. I think a lot of allied health practitioners should take note of that possibility because it's good ultimately for the patient in terms of the outcomes they're getting, it creates a much better and more satisfying experience for the practitioner as well. What do you think the biggest pitfalls are of implementing a digital health solution? The most important thing is probably aligning the solution with the patient cohort in many ways. I think really thinking about what kind of the uh, objectives are. I mean, we, we often see, and I kind of referenced it earlier, but 
we see education-focused programs where that's the kind of core principle for you know, driving change or driving impact. And then we go and trying to deliver those those interventions to a population that we know has a high level of poor health literacy. Or yeah, and and so really thinking through the mechanism of action, and then also I think setting up the right transparency that you can you can measure outcomes. That's got a whole bunch of challenges in itself of driving uptake and engagement and uh, sustained engagement at that to deliver those outcomes. And that's something that we we focus quite a bit on with our customers is you know, really having that plan in place for how we're going to get this solution in the hands and keep it in the hands of, of the patients who need it most. What's the industry going to look like in five to 10 years' time uh, if you have it your way? The biggest thing for me in terms of where does healthcare get to is we've seen a fantastic, I mean, it, 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 the, the, the technologies have been there for, for a while now, but yeah, particularly over the last six months, we've seen what I'd call the digital translation of healthcare in that how do we go from all those things we used to do face-to-face and very manually and on paper, as you kind of mentioned before, how do we replicate that in the digital realm? One of the things that I think excites me about, you know, once, you know, as we get more comfortable with delivering aspects of healthcare digitally and remotely is how would we build the care model? Because a lot of the, those things that kind of have been translated across to digital, well, now that we've accepted digital as the, the not maybe not the norm, but a, you know, a, an acceptable alternative to kind of face-to-face care, is how do we build that from the ground up? And so, I mean, the, the simple one is, you know, when I think about kind of clinical guidelines for someone managing a chronic condition as to how regularly they should or, you know, they should see certain, whether it's clinicians, specialists, other carers kind of responsible for their care is that currently we we have you know big clinical guidelines of you know every three months or every six months or every twelve months when in reality the individual may need a you know, may need an appointment far fewer like far less re- frequently than that or far more regularly than that and the the benefit of kind of you know the the technologies like telehealth like remote patient monitoring um, and and solutions like perks is that what we should be able to do is identify you know which patient needs that traditional model, which patient needs more frequent than that traditional model and which patient needs less less frequent than that traditional model. And so as we start to kind of take a, I guess, a digital first approach to healthcare and digital healthcare just becomes healthcare, we'll see some really interesting changes to the the care model and how we deliver care um, as opposed to just translating what we used to do face-to-face. How do we make that the exact same in the digital realm, actually rethinking, yeah, you know, what does digital give us that, you know, were limitations in, in, in kind of, you know, the more kind of face-to-face healthcare. That's a, probably a bit of a vague kind of general picture of the, the future, but that's where I think a lot of interesting opportunities come from is, you know, once, if you take that kind of zero-based approach to where could healthcare be is, you know, building from the ground up as to this is what, we'd, this is what it would look like in terms of the, the kind of total care model. There's a tremendous opportunity to obviously reimagine healthcare. I, I really like the way you say take a digital first or perhaps digital health in time to come will just be health uh, because we will have blended the real world and the digital world in terms of how healthcare is provided and how it's interacted with. And I also think um, what I was hearing in what you were saying or what I was kind of visualising as you were talking, the prospect for health providers to also rethink the way that they bill for their services. It's one-to-one, it's in-person. 
but there would be a tremendous amount of value to patients who are getting outcomes and knowing that they're getting outcomes and, and enjoying getting the outcomes. It's a tremendous opportunity. Thanks for that inspiring vision there, Scott. That's fantastic. And I really appreciate you coming in and taking the time explaining digital therapeutics, explaining Perks Health, explaining behavioural science. Thanks, Scott. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. This podcast is produced in collaboration with Health Tech X, where we are working toward a world of integrated digital health empowerment for all people. If you'd like more info on how to get involved, head over to the website, healthtechx.com.au. Or if you have any feedback about the show, you can reach out to me directly on LinkedIn, Instagram, or email by following the links in this episode's show notes. And finally, don't forget to subscribe to Reimagining Healthcare in your podcast app. And if you like what you heard, leave us a five-star review. It really helps other people find the show. I'm your host, Yanni Sopanos, and I'll speak to you in our next episode.